Welcome to the Junk Refund Show, hosted by Alan J. Cook, founder of 1-800-JUNK-REFUND. Have you ever paid those expensive junk removal companies to take away some of your stuff? Only to say to yourself, as a truck drives off down the street, some of that stuff wasn't junk. Did they try to sell it for you and give you some money back? No. Well... Now there is a company that can do just that. Listen to our weekly Junk Refund Show on BBS Radio TV to learn how one lady spent $375 on junk removal and got $3,200 back. 1-800-JUNK-REFUND represents the next generation of junk removal. Learn how to not only save your money on junk removal, but how to get some money coming back. Plus, purchase one of our radio vouchers during the show to save even more on your junk removal. Let's get the junk out of your home and out of your life. Now, with your host, Alan J. Cook. Oh, can you hear me? I love that love that intro done by our wonderful producers, Doug and Don Newsom, a dynamic duo that uh, started BBSRadio.com and BBSTV, RadioTV.com. They do a great job every week, and I uh, always like to give them a shout-out for all the great stuff that they do and the support that they give us, etc. Uh, if you want to have a radio show, folks, all you need is a phone and go to BBS, like Boy Boy Scout, bbsradio.com, shoot an email in, and these guys will get a hold of you, and you, too, can be a world-famous radio personality like I am, kind of. The key word in that sentence was the word kind of, but I'll let you judge it how you'd like to. I am coming to you live from the cab of an Enterprise box truck that we have had, a 16-foot box truck that we've had for the last few days as we have cleaned out an office building in McLean, Virginia. We thought it was going to take us four days. It took us three days. Hauled off all kinds of desks and filing cabinets and chairs and etc. We sold the two foyer chairs. We sold two other foyer chairs. We sold a couple of their office chairs. We took a bunch of stuff to the scrap metal yard. And we got rid of, because we couldn't sell, we tried, but it just didn't, we didn't get any takers. A bunch of big desks, and this company moved into this space just before COVID. Then COVID hit, and as you can imagine, they're all doing it basically remotely now, and they've had this office space for about four years, and finally decided to move to a different office space where they're going to save some money. They're going to move farther out to the Dulles area in Virginia and uh, get more amenities, apparently, and it's Pretty good, I think, pretty good pricing out there if you're looking for some office space right now because there's so much of it. But anyway, that's where I am. I'm right by that McLean, Virginia spot right now. I just got back from Gainesville, Virginia. Shout out to a lady out there uh, who lives in a beautiful gated community development. She is 92 years old. I don't know her name. Her son, Mark, had us go out there and pick up a a uh, double-door refrigerator that was in this lady's garage. 
And she told me in the midst of just dealing with her there that it was seven years ago this weekend, I believe, that her husband passed away. The lady lives by herself. I found out later she's 92 years old. That is my mother's age. And she said, I, she said the number 63. And I said, I said, what is 63? And she said, that's how many years we were married. And I just went, you know what? That's real success in my book. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. So I just came from that, that uh, appointment and I'm headed to an appointment in Potomac, Maryland, to pick up some what looks like the remains of a playground, a backyard playground set that was torn apart. So in the meantime, time for the radio show at 3 o'clock Eastern, Thursdays at 3, my favorite time. And in order to get from Virginia to Potomac, Maryland, you have to go on a thing called the Beltway, which encircles Washington, D.C., and I'm here to tell you, I probably will not get off the Beltway by the time this radio show is done. So I just stopped and picked up some more diesel fuel at a Sunoco gas station, and now I'm going to hop on the freeway called the Beltway because like a, like a leather belt, it goes all the way around your waist, right? So it's, it's the Beltway, it goes all the way around D.C., and I'm not going to be moving very fast as I get stuck basically in this traffic, but that's okay because we have... Lots of good stuff to talk about. I want to remind you, during the radio show, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, you simply call the show, give your name and phone number to our producer, Don. He'll give it to me after the show. Then I'll send you a link, and you're able to buy a quarter truckload of junk removal. That's the same as a full pickup truck of junk removal for $79. That's the cheapest price we have available. It's a little perk. If you listen to the radio show, the number you call is 888-627-6008. Again, that's 888-627-6008. So the title of today's show is The Power of Seven Goals, and the seven is a number. The Power of Seven Goals. And if you go to powerofsevengoals.com, remember the seven is the number, not spelled out, powerofsevengoals.com, you'll learn a little bit about what this is about. This is something that I created a few years ago as a way of trying, trying to help people have a little bit more of a balanced life. Um, there are people who will tell you that balance in life is a myth, that you can never achieve it. They, they attribute it or give us an example of that, the Chinese acrobat who spins plates on top of the pole. They start one and they start two and then they get three and four and five and pretty soon they have ten of them up there. Their point is that never at any time during that performance are all of the plates spinning at the same speed up on top of the pole. There's always a few that are about to fall off that need some attention and they're never spinning at the same time. So some people will tell you, and it's a good point, that finding balance in life is a myth, and you should stop trying to do it because you can only be basically one place at one time doing whatever it is you're focused on doing, and everything else kind of gets, you know, mildly ignored until you can get to them. So uh, that's one take on it. The purpose of the power of seven goals is to just try and help people who might have some gaps in their life, fill in those gaps to make the general 
amount of joy in your life go up across the board. Now, I'm sure somebody listening to this, and maybe a boatload of people listening to this show are Star Trek fans, but I grew up not as a Trekkie. Um, I just, of course, knew about the series and etc. But in the beginning of the TV series for Star Trek, they have the Enterprise, the spaceship Enterprise, sails through space. And then the narrator comes on and says, space, the final frontier. That's a line well known to any Trekkie fan. Space, the final frontier. In order to remember how to have a balanced seven areas of your life type of life, you just have to remember that line from Star Trek. Space, the final frontier. And what you really remember are the letters that make up that acronym. S-P-A-C-E-F-F. Space F-F. That's seven letters, and they stand for the seven areas of your life. Just These are just general areas of your life that pretty much all of us have and have to deal with in some way, one way or another. And what I'm going to do on the show today is just give a, a one or two examples of each of these seven areas. So I'm going to kind of move through it somewhat quickly, but refer you to uh, my Instagram page that talks about this is Power of Seven Goals. I guess it's at Power of Seven Goals for Instagram. Um, you can send us an email at Power of Seven Goals, uh, excuse me, Power of Seven Goals at gmail.com. Um, just to get more background information and stuff like that, but it's kind of fun. So here are the seven areas of your life that most of us, if not all of us, have that we all have to deal with. And as, as the guy who goes on Facebook, which I did probably nine years ago or something, I went on Facebook and proclaimed myself to be one of the ten happiest people in the world. Me, Oprah, and eight other people I haven't thought much about. Nobody has ever challenged that statement. No one has ever sent me the article from People magazine that says, here are the ten happiest people in the world, and you're not in it. Nobody has questioned it. If anything, people have commented that I got it right. So I'm, I host this show. One of the reasons I host this show is because I have so much fun with life, and maybe this is a way to help other people have some fun with life as well. So here are the seven areas. Remember the acronym SPACE. FF, space, the final frontier, space, FF, those are the letters that outline the seven areas. The S is the spiritual side of your life. Most of us have some kind of a belief in a superior being of some type that helps us in one way or another that we look to for inspiration, etc. S is the spiritual side of your life. Um, P is the physical side of your life. If you're alive, you've got a body. I mean, that's all there is to it. And P is the physical side of your life. How do you, how do you make, you know, how do you find happiness in the physical side of your life? A is the adventure side of your life. I'm one that believes you were put here on the planet for an undetermined amount of time, and that while you're here, you better have as much fun as possible because you don't come back twice. Just a personal viewpoint there, but you get one shot at it. So make it an adventure and have fun while you're here. C is your career. We all have and seem to have a career of some kind going on that's important. E is your education. 
That's a big deal. It opens up opportunities the more education you have. And we all, you know, we'll read, we'll listen to radio shows, we'll listen to podcasts, we, you know, read, read the newspaper, whatever. We're trying to get more education, more information in our minds. The first F is for your finances. Money is a part of life. It's a part of the world. And the F, the first F stands for the financial side of your life. And the second F stands for friends and family. Now, you can kind of throw in a third F there if you want, but that's the social part of your life, the friends and family part of your life. Now, you think about those seven areas, the spiritual side of your life, the physical side of your life. Is your life an adventure? Is your career going well? Do you feel good about what you're learning and the education you're doing? How are your finances? And what's your social life like? If you're batting a 1,000 in all seven of those areas, you're probably one of the happiest people on the planet. And what you simply do is you look at those seven areas and you say to yourself, okay, where am I weak? What could be better? Where can I get a little improvement? And pick off a small or pick one of those, not, you know, five or six, just one at a time, pick one of those and say to yourself, how can I strengthen myself in this particular area? So here are a few thoughts for the rest of the program about each of those areas. And again, check out powerof7goals.com if you want more information or look it up on Instagram or there's a Facebook page by the same name and it'll tell you more about it. Um, the spiritual side of, the, of my life has been highlighted in the last two weeks as my stepfather passed away. My stepfather was 90 years old. He lived out in Utah. He was married to my mom for 34 years. It was the second marriage for both of them. And uh, he died at the age of 90. My mother is 92. So I attended a funeral about 10 days ago, a week ago Saturday, out in Utah for this wonderful guy. Now, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is where I go to church, when there's a funeral held in the chapel of the building, the service, etc., they like to block off the middle section of the chapel for the family who's going to come in from the viewing that morning held down the hallway in a separate room in the church, and they want to give the family the uh, you know, the best seats in the place as, uh, to honor their deceased relative, right? That makes sense. I've never in over 60 years gone to a funeral where the entire middle section of the chapel from front row to back was blocked off and reserved. But you have to understand this about my wonderful stepfather. He got married when he was about 18 or 19. He has, I think, six children. He has, I'm guessing here, I think it's like 35 or 36 or so grandchildren, but get this, he has 85 great-grandchildren, and he even has, I think it's two great-great-grandchildren alive right now. Now, I've never in my life, I've never known anybody who had a great-great-grandfather alive at the same time that they were alive. I've never seen that before. And it's a little bit rare to see somebody who has a great-grandfather or grandmother alive, but a little more frequently, especially if somebody got married kind of young. But in this case, 
they blocked off the entire middle section of the chapel for this family, this wonderful family, and all of the extensions of this family. So we are all there sitting on the sides of the chapel, both sides, and we're sitting in the back. Uh, kind of, We call it a cultural hall. It's kind of like a gymnasium that's on the back of these chapels. But we've kind of you know, made a, a, a use symbol surrounding the middle section. And then, just before the funeral starts, the family comes in. And I'm telling you, it took 10 minutes to get all the family in there. And they came in, starting with my mother, flanked by my two, two of my younger brothers. That was a touching scene. And she goes up and sits down right in front of the casket. And then they have the rest of the family come in, and that took 10 minutes, and that family filled up the entire middle section of the chapel. It was a really touching thing. And when you think of the posterity that this guy has, I mean, my gosh, that's a lot of people that trace their ancestry back to you. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I have 10 siblings. One of them lives in Hawaii, one lives in Texas, I'm in D.C., eight of them are in Utah. Seven of the eight in Utah came to the service, and all three of us from out of state came to the service. So he had 10 out of 11 of us there with my 92-year-old mother at this situation, uh, at this funeral, basically supporting her. So when you're sitting there in a meeting like this, and you say to yourself, okay, here's my stepfather that three weeks ago I was sitting down having breakfast with him in Spanish Fork, Utah. Now he's not here. I mean, he's not here. His body's going to be buried in a grave. But one of the beliefs that we have is that he has, and all of us have, a spirit inside of us. And death is when that spirit and that body get separated. If you're Christian and you believe in the Bible, you know what the word resurrection means. And that that means the coming together again of a spirit and a body, which we believe will one day happen, and my stepfather will come back to life, and once that happens, he's never going to die again. This death thing is like the birth thing. You do it once. And so you want to uh, make the most of your life as you can while you're here on the planet. Just a simple comment. So the spiritual side, all I will say is that at this funeral, one of the ways to develop your spirituality is to pray. Regardless of what kind of a supreme being you're praying to, I say a prayer to God, who I believe is my Father, who is up in heaven, right? At the closing, that is one way to strengthen your spirituality. There are other ways, but that's one way to do it. And at this funeral, my younger brother Kent, represented the step side of, of this guy's family. His name's Neil, the step side of Neil's family. He said Kent was asked by the family to give the closing prayer. And I am telling you, I've gone to church for 65 years. The, the prayer that my brother said at that funeral was the finest prayer I've ever heard in my life. And I wish I had a copy of it, and I'd play it for you. It was just inspiring. In fact, when he was done... My uncle, who had traveled about an hour to come down to the funeral, my uncle, who's about to turn 80, turns to me and he says, can I just book Kent right now to say the prayer at my funeral? And I went, yeah, we could arrange that. So anyway, there's the first little tidbit. That's the spiritual side of your life. One thing you can do is say a prayer.
And if you don't know how to do it, just give it your best shot. Go to the Bible, go to the scriptures, read a little bit about it, whatever. Send me an email, I'll tell you how I do it. But just, that's one thing you can do to help develop the spiritual side of your life. That's one of the seven. We got six more to go. We're going to take a break. I'm still on the Beltway, but at least I'm going 25 miles an hour, which is better than I thought that would be. You're listening to the Junk Refund Show on bbsradio.com. We'll be back in about a minute. We'll tell you more about the power of seven goals. Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff? Especially the good stuff. At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk. Recycle stuff like metal and wire. Donate items and get you receipts. And put up for sale the good stuff. And if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Hey, you're welcome back to the Junk Refund Show. This is Alan Cook, your host, coming to you live from the freeway. Just having crossed over the Potomac River, I'm now on the Maryland side of the river, and I am headed to an appointment in Potomac, Maryland. It'll start in about 45 minutes after after this show's over to uh, haul away the remains of a playground set that's in this uh, in this lady's backyard. Just so you know how we do this, 1-800-JUNK-REFUND is different than the other junk removal companies in the country. The word refund is in our name because we take the good stuff that we get from your house or your office, and if we think somebody might buy it, we put it up for sale, and if it sells, you get some of the money from the sale, and that's how you get some money back from hiring us to clean out your home or your office. Lots of good stories. We've developed over 20 years of doing this where people have gotten money back. In some cases, as was mentioned in the introduction to this program, one lady got back about 10 times what she paid for the junk removal. So we have some pretty good things going there. But we're talking today about the power of seven goals. Just remember the phrase that was the beginning phrase at every episode of Star Trek when the spaceship Enterprise uh, cruises through space. And it, it simply says, Space, the final frontier, S-P-A-C-E-F-F. The S stands for the spiritual side of your life. The P stands for the physical side of your life. I'm going to go through and just give one little tip on each of these seven areas throughout this show. Check out powerof7goals.com. The seven is a number, not spelled out. And you can read more about it or check it out on Instagram by the same name or the Facebook page. The physical side of your life, a couple of statistics in the United States. Two-thirds of the people in the United States are overweight. That's not my opinion. That's a statistic. Um, My mother's 92 years old. She gave birth to 11 children with the exception of some mild strokes she had in the last year and a half. She's never been in the hospital once except for when she was giving birth to those 11 children. On the other side of the coin, my dad died at the age of 47 from a heart attack and from a combination of diabetes. All of his family were lucky if they made it into their 60s. 
I am now 65. I am basically playing with house money now for the rest of my life. But my wonderful mother, at age 92, has blood pressure of 125 over 75. Her doctors say she has the heart of a 40-year-old. Her mother lived to be 101. Her brother lived to be 96. Her older sister died at the age of 89. She is now 92, and if you ask her, you know, what are your goals for the next 10 years, she'd probably tell you not to live nine of them is probably what she would tell you. Anyway, she's, uh, she is now a widow for the second time in your life. After about 10 days ago, her, her husband, uh, my stepfather, passed away. And so she is now in the, in the very good hands of some siblings of mine that are out in Utah that are taking care of her and have done a brilliant job for a couple of years taking care of her on a daily basis, basically. They do a terrific job. Anyway, the P in this space FF stands for the physical side of your life. I will just give you one pointer here. In 2018, in March, I paid, I think it was $250 maybe 150, I can't remember, to sign up for the St. George, Utah Marathon. Now, I had been running 5Ks and 10Ks, and I had a, a, a middle school, junior high school track that was only maybe a mile from my apartment. And so it was easy to go over there and run. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to try to run a marathon. And so when you, when you go in and you, and you make the payment to sign up for the marathon, that represents a pretty strong commitment to the physical side of your life. And then I would go over to this track after work, and I lived by myself, so it was kind of easy. I didn't have to coordinate my schedule with anybody, etc. I'd go over to the track, and I'd run. And I, would, I wouldn't, you know, try to set speed records. I didn't really time myself most of the time. I just went over, and I ran. And I would... Uh, you know, I would go one mile or maybe I'd go half a mile or something, and then I would just build it up. The, the, one of the highlights of this, and I think you'll see this on the power of seven goals.com, um, I would take my phone with me, and after running or whatever, I would take a little video clip and just talk about how I felt. One, and I, li- I used to do this more in the evenings when the track was open and all the middle school kids were gone, and uh, I would just go over and run. One night, I ran. I went over there, and I ran 36 laps. That's nine miles, right? I think that's the longest I had run in one particular time up to that point in my life. And this was maybe 10.30 at night that I'm finishing this up, and there's a group of guys playing basketball under their headlights of their car up on the basketball courts of this junior high school. As I come off the track after running nine laps and then taking a couple of laps to just walk around and kind of slow down, as I came walking off the track, one of these basketball players came down to me and said, hey, what's the secret to being a really good runner? Now, I haven't written any, I've written seven books, but I haven't written any books on running. And I hadn't run a marathon. I wasn't a runner in high school. I was a tennis player. But here, the perception of this guy is that I'm a certified runner. I just ran nine miles. I mean, that's pretty good. And he's asking me, you know, what's the secret to being a good runner? And all of a sudden, I was perceived, at least by one person, as an authority on running. Now, that makes you feel pretty good. Whether you are an authority or not, kind of irrelevant, he's asking you a question, so I answered it. I said, listen to your body. 
So I am not one of these guys that's a big fan of, you know, no pain, no gain. I think you're in pain because something's wrong. Something, something's happening in your body that's not supposed to be happening. And I don't take that as a sign of advancement. Now, weightlifters will probably disagree with me, and they probably know more about it than I do. But my point is if you're out there running and your left ankle starts to get a little sore, don't tell yourself that, you know, run two more miles and it'll go away. That's called stupidity in my book. Listen to your body and don't push it farther than it's ready to go. Your body's an amazing machine and it knows what it's doing. So just listen to it. I did run the marathon in October of that year, about, what, six months later. I ran it in like six hours and something. I was one of the slower guys to run it, but I did it. I even, and as I was running, I would get in, they tell you that when you get to the 19th mile in running a marathon, that's called the wall. You hit the wall and getting through the wall is tough, they say. And one of the things they, they coached us to do for, for we first time runners was to not focus on the remaining miles, just break it up into smaller pieces. So I'm running on this, I guess it's a four-lane highway, maybe a two-lane highway, in this beautiful scenic part of southern Utah. And they have mile markers every tenth of a mile. There's a white fluorescent, you know, little, little pole on the side of the road. And so when I got to about the 18th mile or something like that, I just told myself that your only goal is to make it to that next white marker. You're going to run the first one. You're going to walk the second one. Then you're going to run the next one. Then you're going to walk the next one. So I would run, then I'd, then I'd walk. Then I'd run, then I'd walk. My only goal was to make it from one marker to the next. That's how I kind of simplified it. Do you, and they, they mark each of the miles off with people there taking care of you and et cetera. Do you know that once I started doing that, I don't remember seeing any of the mile markers until I got to mile 23. And at that point, you only have three miles left and you're done. So something kind of magical happened. I just made it through that little part of the course. And I thought, wow, I've made it past the wall. Can't be tough after that. I've made it past the toughest part downhill from here. And I went ahead and finished, and I got the medal, and I'm very proud of it. And that was my first and only marathon that I've run. But the point is, you can do it. And ironically, or not ironically, really, as I was training for this and doing it, you'd be surprised how many of my family members told me how good I looked. In other words, you're losing weight, or you're getting thinner, or you look healthy, or whatever it might be. So think about the physical side of your life and just set a goal. Small goal, doesn't have to be a big one, just some kind of a goal that improves the physical side of your life. If you have kind of been a couch potato and haven't been out walking or running for many years, your goal is not to go out the first day and run a mile. Your goal is to go out the first day and walk from the front door to the end of your driveway. You with me? Small increments, that's a key. Small increments building up every day helps you with the physical side of your life. All right, A stands for the adventurous side of your life. There is a gorge in Colorado called Royal Gorge. It is the deepest gorge in North America at 1,250 feet. I was doing a junk removal job in Denver one time where we cleaned out a storage unit for a guy that used to own pizza restaurants, 
and we hauled away all this old, somewhat rusty, big, heavy metal machinery that he used in his restaurants. I got done early. My flight back was not going to be until the next morning, and I had half a day left. So I'd always wanted to go see the Royal Gorge in Colorado. It's about 30 minutes west of Colorado Springs, about an hour and a half approximately southwest of Denver. So I hopped in this uh, rental truck I had, and I just took off to go see Royal Gorge. I was so excited about this. You pay a fee when you get there, and you then find out that there's three ways to cross the gorge. The most common way is to take the gondola. You can ride it as much as you want to once you're admitted inside the, the park, we'll call it. The second way is to walk across the bridge. In 1929, they took about six months, and they built a bridge across the gorge. The bridge is about 1,200 feet long, about 18 feet wide. And the way they did that might be of interest to you. They took a half-inch cable, and they dropped it down to the bottom of the gorge, about 1,000 feet from both sides. Then down at the bottom, where the Arkansas River is, they grabbed both ends of the cable and secured it together. Then they pulled the cable back up. And when you do that, you now have one strand, a half-inch strand of cable that spans the gorge. Then you use that cable to start shipping equipment and more cable back and forth. And the bottom line is you end up with two really strong cables that cross the bridge or cross the gorge and then you build the bridge on top of those cables. Now, interestingly enough, they started this in about July of 1929. You all know what happened in October of 29. That was the stock market crash. They finished it in December of 29 and had a big party, and you can look up the photos on Google of the people standing on the bridge when this baby was completed. It was a big day for America and a really big day for I think it's called Canyon, C-A-N-O-N, with the little at, the little mark above the end that Spanish folks, with the, you know, in Spanish terminology, Ten, Canyon or Canon or something like that. Uh, Canyon City, I think is what it's called. And they completed a bridge across there. And that's the second way that you can cross the bridge. But the funnest way to cross the bridge is by zip line. The zip line starts at the opposite end of the gorge and comes back to where the gondola starts. So if you believe if you if you believe your life is an adventure, I'm here to tell you you might want to check out the zip line across the Royal Gorge. I'll try to make this quick so I can get through the rest of these in this program. The bottom line is I took the gondola across the gorge and made a video of it. I'm gonna put that on our YouTube channel, one eight hundred junk refund. Um, you then walk up to this little uh, I'll call it a little cabin. And up there is where you sign up to do the zip line. It's an extra fee, and there's a big sign there that says, nobody over 245 pounds allowed on the zip line. So the first thing they do is have you hop up on the scale. So this young guy dressed in his, you know, um, uh, what do we call it? Dressed in his, they've got carabiners harness, who is there, you know, deciding who gets to go across on the zip line. He says, okay, sir, hop up on the weight scale. I hop up on the weight scale, and it digitally tells me I'm 245.6 pounds. And immediately the guy looks at me and says, I'm sorry, sir, we're very strict about the weight limit. You're not going to be able to go. 
and I said, hold on just a second, and I stepped over into the corner of the cabin and took off my hoodie, took the wallet out of my back pocket, took my keys out of my front pocket, and uh, may have taken off one of the shirts I had, I don't remember what, you know, but I, I started to just take off some clothing, and I said, can I try it now? He said, sure, I got back on the scale, 243.1 pounds. And the same guy immediately says to me, okay, sir, you're good to go. Let's go. And I kind of thought, now, wait a minute. The difference here is only two and a half pounds. You're telling me that I'm safe at 243, but I'm too big of a risk at 245.6. Now, that's a little scary if you think about it. And yet he was convinced, no, you're safe. You're under 245. Let's go. Everything's good. At that point, you're putting your life in the hands of a you know 21-year-old. But he kind of looked to me like he knew what he was doing, and, hey, that's his job. They zipped me up. They put me in the harness. They strapped me there. They said, you can't film this. Um, we'll take some shots of you from the opposite side. Enjoy the ride. And they pushed me off. And yours truly, at about age 63 maybe, is going across the zip line 1,100 feet above the Arkansas River, and there is nothing between yours truly and the Arkansas River but a harness attached to a cable up above. It was one of the great adventures of my life. I obviously survived it. And if you want to see a photo of that moment, go to my Facebook page, Alan, whoops, excuse me, Alan J. Cook, A-L-A-N-J period Cook, C-O-O-K. And on my Facebook page, the background photo is of me in the harness crossing that gorge. So I'm, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about in this one. C is your career. Um, Warren Buffett sums up your career choice or what he thinks you should do in four words, he said. He goes around to universities and he says this to college students. He sums it up by saying, do what you love. And if you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life. And he said, he has said one of, the, one of the worst things you can do is take a job that you hate because you think it'll look good on your resume for the next job you're trying to get. He said that makes no sense to him at all. Do what you love, and you'll probably have a fun, happy career. I think there's a statistic that show that 80% of the people that get up and go to work every day are not very thrilled with their jobs. So if you're one of the 20% that's really having a good time and enjoying it, hats off to you because you're in the minority that really likes what they're doing for a career. All right, so we're, we're a little over halfway done with the seven letters that make up space, FF, space, the final frontier, the acronym for the power of seven goals. We'll be back in just a moment and talk about the last three, and then uh, we'll be done with another Junk Refund Show. This is your host, Alan Cook, on the Junk Refund Show on BBS Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff, especially the good stuff? At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk. Recycle stuff like metal and wire. Donate items and get you receipts. And 
put up for sale the good stuff. And if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Hey, welcome back to the Junk Refund Show. We're talking about something that I created, yours truly created, called The Power of Seven Goals. The seven is a number. You can find it on Instagram. You can find it on Facebook. You can uh, send an email to that address at gmail.com. And um, you can go to the website. And we're having some fun talking about the seven different areas of life that uh, most people, if not all of us, deal with and have. The S is the spiritual side of your life. The P is the physical. The A is for the adventurous side of your life. C is for your career, which brings us to E, the educational side of your life. I'm going to talk about a guy named Russell M. Nelson. Those of you in the medical field or if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you'll know that name because he is the worldwide leader of the church and a former world-renowned heart surgeon. Um, I just finished reading a book of his, which I highly recommend, I think published back in 2015, um, and it is called Accomplishing the Impossible. So if setting some goals and making them happen sometimes seem impossible to you, that might be a good book to read. I just finished reading it, and in there he talked about his, his educational side of his life. In this book, by the way, there's about 200 pages or so in the hard, hardback copy of this book. He uses 414 scriptural references or other references, footnotes of various sources to back up what he's saying in the book. Now think about that, folks. 414 references to the scriptures or to prophets or other people, other experiences or whatever, that he wants to highlight. That's a well, well-researched book. Russell Nelson graduated from East High School in Salt Lake City, Utah, when he was 16. He's legendary up there. He uh, was in, involved in medical school and I think became something like one of the chief residents or something at the age of about 20. And in the book, he talks about a, a, a young man who came to him and said, you know, how many years of schooling did you get once you left high school that qualified you to be a heart surgeon? And he said, I went to 14 years of school before I got paid for my first surgery. And at first, the guy that was, the young kid that was talking to him thought, wow, that's a lot of years to go without making any money. But that young kid went ahead and followed the same career path and got the education and is now a surgeon himself. And uh, Russell Nelson mentions this in his book as an example of just getting the education that is out there. Now, I, I'm not going to have time to look up the quote, but there's a great quote in this book that talks about something like you, you go out and you get the education so you can then you know, help somebody else out or serve or so that you're able to 
make a difference in someone else's life. It talks about the value of education, and he's a guy who walks his talk. His last surgery that he performed was on one of China's most um, famous opera singers, I believe it was, and he was a full-time um, apostle in our church at the time, but they, they, dramatic, they desperately wanted him to come and do this surgery. He started learning Mandarin Chinese, folks, when he was about 56. Now, think about that. Most of us in our 50s don't decide to take up a second language, especially one as hard as Mandarin. But a guy who's as brilliant as Russell Nelson took it up and uh, followed it, and boy, is he loved in China. Um, he lectured at some of the medical schools there. He was personally requested to come and do an operation there. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing career and somebody that's a great example of getting some good education and then using it to make a difference in the world. Um, the first F, S-P-A-C-E-F-F, that's the acronym, SPACE, the final frontier, the first F is for finances. Like it or not, we all deal with this, right? And it's a part of our life. There are bills that have to be paid. There's, you need to have a way to make some money, etc. I've had a friend of mine named Lennon Ledbetter on this show in the past whose parents got involved in network marketing with Amway when it was, I guess, one of the first kind of getting off the ground or something. And those parents went right to the top of Amway and basically made a gazillion dollars, whereas prior to that, both of them had been school teachers. Lennon is out of Las Vegas and is a good friend of mine, and I've had him on this show, and he talks about you know trying to get the junk out of people's minds. There's sometimes a mindset that says, I'm only going to make this much, I'm only worth this much, I can't make more, da-da-da-da. Um, you can go to a website to learn a little bit more about him. It's... Um, Transact, uh, T-R-A-N-Z-A-C-T, card, D-M-V, like David Michael Victor, stands for the District of Maryland and Virginia. Um, you'll see some information about Lennon on there, and I think I put a copy of the show that I did with him a few months ago uh, up on that site. You can go there and check it out. That's one of the things he's really excited about right now, and he's, I'm, I'm telling you, he's making, at least that company is making millions of dollars in the last few months by just getting more and more people involved in a certain debit card where they will pay you whenever the, your debit card is used and whenever anybody else uses the same debit card that you bring into the company. So there are a lot of, uh, a lot of good stories happening there. They just launched this the last few months. And you can also go to Alan Cook, A-L-A-N-C-O-O-K, um, at mytzt.com and you can check that out as well. Um, that's also another thing that shows a little bit more about it. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it, just just save money. You know, live off less than you earn and do without now so that you have more later is a good principle. Just save some money and don't spend it all. There's a principle out there that's well known to people in the finance world that I can't remember what it's called that basically says your desire to spend rises with the amount of money that you make. In other words, the more you make, the more you're going to spend. Um, we've had basketball stars that played for the Washington Wizards who spent $2.1 million on, on their birthday party one year. Okay? Now think about that. Um, 
and not to get after professional athletes because they're all bigger than I am, but there are a lot of professional athletes that end up broke after making big time money because they just don't manage it very well. Um, get in the habit of reading as far as investments go, read the annual letters to the shareholders, the chairman's letter that Warren Buffett writes in the Berkshire Hathaway annual reports each year. He's been doing this for 50 years, probably, maybe longer. And it's, it's the best investment advice or a, a chance to look inside the mind of one of the world's best investors by just reading those letters to the shareholders. Um, every year they're in the, uh, the annual reports, and they are entertaining to read. They're very well written. He's a very clever guy, and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, Warren is a friend of mine. Um, so there are just some tips. Dave Ramsey's radio show, right? Everybody loves Dave Ramsey. There are lots of tips on how to have a better financial life. But unfortunately, that thing called money gets in the way of lots of relationships and can create a lot of stress for people. If you try to take control of it and make money your master, I mean money your servant instead of your master, things tend to work out better. I spent the first 10 years of my professional career as a stockbroker, managed, I think, $10 million at one point, something like that. and it, it's just a it's a needed service. It's a great service. And being smart with your money is just a, a smart way to deal with your life. Um, last one of the seven is the final F. In space, FF, the final F stands for family and friends. I have a lot I can tell you about this one because of what I did in the last two weeks. I'm just going to give you my schedule as best as I can remember it here. Um for what's happened the last two weeks. Today is Thursday. Two weeks ago today, I got on a flight at 6 o'clock and flew to Salt Lake City, stayed at a hotel, took a train down to my stepfather's house in Spanish Fork, Utah. It cost $5 to travel down there. It's the best travel deal in the United States. It's about an hour ride. Anyway, I went down there because he had passed away, and I was there for his viewing on Friday night and the funeral on Saturday. 11 of 10 of my 11 uh, of the 11 I was I guess nine of my 10 siblings were there uh, for that weekend and it was a great chance for us to rally around behind our mom and to get to see everybody and then you get nieces and nephews I have 56 nieces and nephews folks a boatload of them were at the funeral and I got to see them as well and there we were basically taking care of our mom and uh, she was a real stalwart and was doing great. Um, so it was just a chance for family and friends to come together. I had somebody on one of the dating websites recently. This happened in the last, well, let me go back to my travel schedule just for a second. So I'm there at the funeral Saturday afternoon. Um, Sunday morning early, I fly to Denver. I lay over for a few hours, then I fly on to, to Washington, D.C., so I get back home Sunday night. Monday, I have an appointment at 2 o'clock Monday afternoon that I was trying to get back for. I go out and I work on Monday. So I'm in Washington, D.C., and I work on Monday. I came back because of this appointment at 2 o'clock that I had where I had reason to believe I might get a check. So I flew back for that appointment, and I did get a check. At 6 o'clock Monday, I'm back on the plane, 
headed back to Salt Lake because on Tuesday night, my oldest daughter is the co-director of a series of plays out there called The Savior of the World. It's a big production done in Salt Lake City every year. It is sold out through the first of the year. And the only chance I had to see the production was to go to the dress rehearsal. So she got me tickets to go to the dress rehearsal. Her husband, a cool guy named Jake, plays John the Beloved in this story about Jesus and his life and the impact he has at Christmas time, that kind of thing. He plays John the Beloved in this play, and that was cool. So I got to watch my son-in-law perform, got to watch my daughter direct. It was an awesome event. That was Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, I am trying to figure out how do I get to Raleigh, North Carolina, because my nephew there and his wonderful wife, and there are three kids, had invited me down for Thanksgiving about a month earlier, and it was the first invitation I got, and I told him, sure, I'd be happy to come, and I wanted to keep that appointment. So here's a trick in the travel industry, folks. If you, I fly a lot on Frontier because I have their, uh, their, their Go Wild Pass, which I bought for a certain amount of money, and then it gives me a year of traveling for free. I just pay the airport taxes. So I fly to pretty much any city in the United States that they fly to for about 25 bucks. So as I come back and forth. In fact, next week, my guest on the show next week is a young lady named Hennessy who works for Frontier Airlines out in Denver. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about, you know, the travel world and how to get some of the junk out of your travel life. But anyway, I, I am looking for an airfare to get me to Raleigh, North Carolina by Thursday at noon, which is when my niece is going to have Thanksgiving dinner with everybody. And she's got some other guests coming over. If you go on Frontier.com or FlyFrontier.com and you try to book a fare from Salt Lake City to Raleigh and you have the discounted options that I have and it's the busiest travel day of the year, you can get there, but you don't arrive in Raleigh until 2.30 in the afternoon. And I didn't want to disrupt anybody's meal or plans. So I knew that that was an option. But then I went in, instead of checking the fares from Salt Lake City to Raleigh, I checked the fares from Denver to Raleigh, because when you fly on Frontier, you go from Salt Lake to Denver first, and then you go from Denver to a boatload of other places. So I looked at the, at the, the fares, the one-way fares from Denver to Raleigh, and lo and behold, there's a flight that goes up to Philadelphia, an overnight red-eye flight, and then there's a connecting flight that goes down to Raleigh, and you land in Raleigh at 1045 in the morning. And I went, perfect. So I booked that fare starting in Denver. Then that was, the, that was the toughest part. Now all I have to do is get to Denver from Salt Lake City, which is not a big deal. And that is a, a one-way ticket. And I've got all day to do that on Wednesday because the flight leaving overnight to go to Philadelphia doesn't leave until 1230 in the morning on Thanksgiving morning. Now, most people are not nuts like me and don't want to be sitting in the Denver airport until 1 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving morning. But my goal, having just seen all of my family at this funeral and all of my siblings and et cetera, a bunch of my nieces and nephews, my goal is to just make it to Raleigh and keep my commitment for Thanksgiving. So I'm happy to do this, and I don't mind. You know, you take me into the Denver airport and tell me I've got a six-hour layover, I kind of say to myself, awesome, five-and-a-half-hour nap, right? And I'm one of these strange guys that can find a, a secluded gate in the airport, curl up in the corner, as long as I kind of take a, you know, 
a backpack or a sweater out of my backpack and make a pillow out of it or something. As long as I have some kind of a pillow and I'm away from as much noise as possible, I'm one of these strange guys that can fall asleep and make it work. So anyway, I, I, I leave on Wednesday from Salt Lake. I go to Denver. I stay there for a few hours. I catch the flight to Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, I wait for an hour at the same gate. I turn right around, get on another flight, takes me to Raleigh-Durham. I grab an, a, an Uber for a, actually a, um, a Lyft ride from there, and that takes me to my nephew's house, and I get there at 10 minutes to 12. Perfect time for Thanksgiving. I stay there for a day and a little bit. He has three wonderful little girls and a, an amazing wife. These three little girls, by the way, folks, three girls, under the age of four, the next day after I got there, the oldest girl turns four. Three girls under the age of four, the youngest one is two months. When I walked in the house, the youngest one was on the platform, the carpeted platform that leads upstairs to the, the upstairs level, just on her on her back, I think, they set her down there just She's not going to roll off anything. She's fine. And she is the most calm baby you've ever seen. Just totally content. Everything is fine. Totally happy just to be lying there on the carpet by herself while her wonderful dad is over here whipping out some incredible, you know, uh, selections for Thanksgiving dinner. He's a very good cook, as is his wife. So I go down there for Thanksgiving. It's great. Friday afternoon, I now need to get back up to Washington, D.C. Um, the flight's coming back up. On the airline that I normally choose will take you back to Denver, then back to Washington. I didn't want to do that. I paid like 45 bucks. I hopped on the mega bus at about 5.45. At about 10 o'clock at night, I'm back in Washington, D.C. I take the metro back to my apartment and all is well. And that's my travel life in the last two weeks. So I flew back and forth across the country twice. I went back to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, all to be with family. It was all about family. And when I got back home after the Raleigh-Durham trip, I just kind of said to myself, I did it. I went everywhere that I was hoping to go, saw all this family, strengthened all those relationships across the board, and I didn't miss out on a thing. And I live across the country from the bulk of my family. So I'm here to tell you it can be done. And doesn't really matter where you live in the United States anymore. You can pretty much be at the main family events regardless of where the family lives. That's just the way that I do it. But anyway, there's a quick summary of the power of seven goals. A quick recap. S is the spiritual side of your life. P is the physical side. A is the adventuresome side of your life. C is your career. E is your education. F is your financial side of your life. And the final F are friends and family, the social part of your life. Hopefully this is a good start to introduce the concept to you. It's just something I kind of do on the side, having spent a few years in the goal-setting business um, as part of my career. Hope you've enjoyed the Junk Refund Show today. We're here to try to get the junk not only out of your homes and garages, but also out of your life. Join us next Thursday, 3 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be talking to Frontier Airlines, young lady that works there, and have a lot of fun talking about the travel industry and how to get some of the junk out of your travel life. I'm your host, Alan Cook. Make it a great week. Have a lot of fun and have fun getting the junk out of your life with the power of seven goals. Talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Junk Refund Show, the longest-running junk removal radio show on the air. Join us next week as we discuss innovative ways to declutter your home, your business, and your life using 20 years of junk removal experience. Find out why we give out free ice cream gift cards to our clients, too. In upcoming shows, we will explore how to get the junk out of your relationships, your spiritual life, your waistline, even your travel life. Plus, call in with questions and situations you would like some help with. At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we are committed to bringing the next generation of junk removal because not all junk is junk. See you next week on the Junk Refund Show every Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. Eastern Time right here on BBS Radio TV.